Wrapping up the NL Central Farm previews, let's talk about the Milwaukee Brewers with the newly extended Jackson Churio. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked On MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, award-winning baseball writer and podcaster, and thank you for making this your first listen every single day. We're proudly part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. And today's episode is made possible by our friends at Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Okay, so wrapping up the NL Central, we're going to talk about the Milwaukee Brewers. 92-70 and 70 last year, and it's been a really interesting offseason for Milwaukee, right? But uh, the good news is it's a very full and stocked farm system. And Brandon Woodruff no longer with the team. You've got some pitchers who can hopefully eventually step up to replace his spot in the rotation. It's the last year of Corbin Burns' uh, contractual control before he goes to free agency. Hopefully you have an ace coming from this crop of top pitching prospects. But the whole thing is led by outfielder Jackson Churio. 2021 IFA got just under $2 million and very quickly showed that he is a phenomenal player. One of the usually top two, top three pitching prospects in baseball. I haven't checked all of the brand new, or I haven't memorized all of the brand new top 100s that came out this week. But Jackson Churio's a consensus at least top five, if not number three, number two on just about every single list. And for good reason, last year started off in double A Biloxi, late season went up to triple A. And 128 games last year, 283, 338, 467. 22 home runs, 51 extra base hits, 43 walks to 104 strikeouts, and 44 of 53 on stolen bases. And it's, yeah, those stats are, those are good stats, but why is this guy the number two prospect in all of baseball? And it's a couple reasons. One, he was 19 years old last season, putting up those kind of numbers. Two, he dealt with that super tacky baseball that they had in AA, the pre-tacked baseball in the Southern League in the first half. And you can see where that impacted him. First half of the year, he bats 239, 21% strikeout rate, 7% walk rate. After their all-star break, the mid-season, when they shifted back to the normal MLB balls, everything for Jackson Churio just goes nuts, right? 323 batting average. So he goes up 90-something points from where he was uh, the first half of the year. Strikeout rate goes from 21% to 14%. His walk rate ticks up a little bit from 7% to 8%. But the type of game that Jackson Churio has, a guy that he's very good at hitting fastballs, he is not afraid to chase out of the zone because he's not completely a bad ball hitter. It's not Christian Encarnacion strand here, but he can go out and get balls off of the plate and still get a good swing on them. And what this tacky baseball did was juiced up spin rates, 
really juiced up fastballs up in the zone. Everybody's induced vertical break numbers were just dumb in double A. And it was obvious that as he got away from that baseball, as he got more comfortable in double A, he started to absolutely rake. And so signed to a long-term deal this offseason. I was at the press conference there at the winter meetings when they had that. And you could start Jackson Churio as your opening day center fielder in Milwaukee. I don't know if they will. He got to AAA in like mid-September. So he's a guy that... I'm not saying he needs more time in the minors. The stats were really good. But I could understand the argument if you wanted to give him more time in the minors. Now, obviously, prospect promotion incentive, things like that, make that a complicated issue to try to navigate when do we call him up. If we call him up early enough and he's good, we get an extra draft pick if he finishes really high in the rookie of the year voting. So there's incentives there. From a defensive perspective, there's not much he has to do. His only tool that's not at least, I think, a 60 grade is his arm. He had an elbow injury as an amateur. I remember the first year in the full minors in 22, they wouldn't let him throw all the way in from the infield. They'd cut everything off, and they would not let him throw it home from center field. So the arm, we haven't really seen him let the arm eat since he was, really since he was drafted. But other than that, everything else is... 60 grade, 70 grade, the power's fantastic. Uh, Some of the numbers here, right? 90th percentile exit velocity of 105. At age 19, Jackson Churio's got power, real power. Again, the stolen bases, 44 of 53. He's got speed. He's got defense. The the hit tool, his contact rate in the second half was 70, I'm sorry, 81%. Not zone contact. Overall contact rate was 81%. And that's with him chasing like 30-something percent of the time. So you see how everything here, if you get the best version of Jackson Churio, if you get the 95th percentile outcome of Jackson Churio, it's a dude who could bat close to 300, give you 25 to 30 home runs, and probably steal 40 bags. That's the upside of Jackson Churio. It makes sense that he is the number one prospect in the system and one of the top three prospects in all of baseball. Second, number two guy in the system and would be an ace if the control was a little bit better. We'll get to it. Ryan pitcher Jacob Mizorowski, 2022 second rounder out of junior college, 20 games last year, single A, high A, double A, four and two with a three, four, one ERA. 71 in the third innings, 110 strikeouts, so 13.9 per nine, to 42 walks, 5.3 per nine, and two home runs allowed. You see the walk number there, right? Walk rate was close to 14% last year. And the issue here, Jacob Mizorowski is six foot seven, and he has the arms of a dude that is that are that is six foot nine, right? He is a ton of arms. And so when you have those long levers, it is difficult to sync everything up. He has an effort that's still a delivery that still has plenty of effort in it, right? And so when you combine a high effort delivery, super long levers, you get control issues. Now that delivery or that those mechanics, those long levers do help him as well. He throws a fastball that 
in uh, when he's not relieving, because we saw him with the features game in a relief inning, pumping 101, right? When he's in a starting role, he's averaging 97, 98 miles an hour. He gets really good carry up in the zone. He also gets like a foot of horizontal movement on it. And then because of the lower release point, it's like a low three-quarter slot, and how long his arms are, the extension is stupid, right? So everything, the extension, the hard-to-pick-up delivery out of that arm slot, everything makes the fastball play up on the velocity it already has. There's some folks out there who have done some work on perceived velocity, and I would bet Jacob Mizorowski is one of the minor leaguers with the highest perceived velocity in the entire minors. To go with that, he's got a curveball, mostly vertical breaking curveball. It's in the mid-80s. It gets like a good foot of horizontal movement too. And he's got that. You've got the fastball, the curveball off of that. They tunnel really well. He's got a slider that sometimes looks like a cutter to the point where sometimes I wonder if he has two separate pitches. It'll be high 80s, low 90s. I've seen it as fast as like 94. But it's, so it's not a consistent shape, but it's essentially, you know, a, a cutter that he has. And then occasional, occasional change up here and there just has a change of pace. Change up's not great, but everything is so good. This would be number one pitcher stuff if he didn't walk 13.5% of the batters he faced, right? And it's really good stuff. It's hard not to bet on this caliber of stuff because it feels like you're just a few mechanical tweaks away from unlocking a stud, right? You're that close. The question is, can Milwaukee get him over that hump to be an ace? And that's going to be the big question going forward for the Milwaukee Brewers. In just a minute, let's talk about uh, a catcher because Milwaukee's got catcher devil magic. And then a couple different pitchers and position players you may see in 24. We'll do that next right here on Locked on MLB Prospects. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Game Time. You should not have to worry when you're trying to buy tickets to your next big event. Because Game Time is the fastest and easiest way to buy tickets. Sports, music, comedy, theater events near you. They've got amazing last-minute deals, all-in prices, It's inclusive of fees and everything else. You see the view from your seat before you buy the tickets and the best price guarantee. So they take all of the guesswork out of buying tickets. The the guarantee, that's the big thing. The game time guarantee, the way this works, if you find tickets in the same section and row for less than what you paid, game time will credit you 110% of the difference, okay? So you can take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use code Locked On for $20 off your first purchase. Create an account, redeem code Locked On, L O C K E D O N, for $20 off. Download the Game Time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Okay, so players you may see this season. It's Not right away, because you have plenty of options behind the plate. But catcher Jefferson Cuero, 2019 IFA, $200,000. He was seen as a good catcher when he signed. Let's clarify that, because we talk a lot about this team being very good at developing catching, right? 
He was a good catcher when he signed. But Jefferson Cuero arguably defensively is the best catcher in the minors. And part of that has to be the Brewers' devil magic when it comes to catching. Spent 90 games in AA last year. 262, 339, 441. 16 home runs, 28 extra base hits, 38 walks to 68 strikeouts, 5 of 5 on stolen bases. Again, defense was amazing. 70-grade arm, 35% caught stealing. He just mowed down opposing base runners. It was amazing to watch. I saw him a couple times in person. Never was disappointed that Jefferson Cuero was behind the, the plate on a game that I was going to. Offensively, the contact rate is really good. 75% overall, 85% in the zone. And he did this at age 21. So still young for the level, not as young as Jackson Churio, but still young for the level, had very good production. Power-wise, it was average power. It feels like he's, he still has a little bit of physical development he can do. It, I feel like it was really good pull side. And I think the ultimate decider is going to be if he can bring down the chase rate a little bit more, which it's gotten better as he's gotten older. So he has been improving that. But if he continues to improve that, even if he doesn't gain any more natural power, the underlying power metrics will be better because he'll be making higher quality contact. He won't be chasing as much out of the zone. More of his contact will be in the zone where, again, 85% contact rate. And you're, you'll see his average and his 90th percentile exit velos go up. Really high on the future Jefferson Cuero. Not sure what happens to him in 24. Obviously, you have a Contreras back there. He is a very good catcher as well. And I'm curious here. We'll see what happens. Corner infielder Tyler Black. I'm going to call him a corner infielder. I don't know where he plays. We'll get to that in a second. 2021 third rounder out of Wright State. And Tyler Black is a weird dude, man. He just, he defies all of the conventional stuff you think about for a corner infielder, okay? So, one, he's 5'10". 5'10", 200 is what he's listed as. Not incredibly impressive from a physical standpoint. He looks really tall, right? He's athletic, but like just the sheer size, you think about some of the first basemen you see who are 6'5 and things like that, it, it stands out. In 123 games between AA and AAA for Tyler Black, 284, 417, 513, 18 home runs, 55 extra base hits, 88 walks to 100 strikeouts, 55 of 67 on stolen bases. He's a first baseman who stole 55 bags last year. The contact is the thing, right? Okay, the contact is Tyler Black's thing. 77.6% overall contact. 87% in the zone. Good numbers for anybody, never mind a corner infielder. You've got the steals, uncharacteristic of a corner infielder. You've got the amazing contact ability, uncharacteristic of a corner infielder outside of Freddie Freeman. The power, I told you, 513 slugging percentage, right? The power, the average, 86 miles an hour. The 90th percentile exit velocity, 101. So, the power, like, the exit velocities are better than they were. Like, they, they grew year over year, but they're still below average. And despite that, 
he had a 513 slugging percentage. So another place where he defies convention, right? He doesn't chase a lot. I think that's part of it. 18% chase. And so he's making optimal contact. And that's why the exit velocities play up a little bit. But the big thing here is he doesn't have a defensive home. Okay. Last year, 97 games at third, 16 at first. He DH some as well. In the past, he's played second. He's played center field. The arm isn't great. And so having him at third is another situation. There's some teams that just seem to be fine with a dude who doesn't have a good arm at third base. We talked about Max Muncy in LA. We talked about the Cubs doing this. There's just some teams that are fine with a dude that doesn't have a great arm playing third base. And he's fine. He's not great. He's not, he's probably not even going to be average at third base, but he's good enough. But again, he's atypical from a corner infield perspective, from a power perspective, from everything that you expect. And so it's just, that's the hard part here for Tyler Black is where does he play? I just, I struggle with that. We are way behind. I had no idea that this Brewer show could have gone an hour. Okay, so a couple pitchers you have to know about. These are the other two big pitching prospects in this system. Left-hand pitcher Bob Gass, the only real lefty pitching prospect in this system. It's a little weird to me. I'm curious if that's intentional or not. Right-hand pitcher Carlos Rodriguez. Those are your two guys to watch. Bob Gass, 26 games in AAA. All but one of those were starts. 9-1, 3-7-9 ERA with an 135 in a third innings, 166 strikeouts, 11 per nine, 50 walks, 3.3 per nine, and 12 home runs allowed. Bob Gass throws like six pitches. He throws a four-seamer. He throws a sinker. He throws a cutter. He throws a curveball. He throws a slider. And I think the sixth one's a change. Like, he legitimately throws a ton of pitches, okay? And the thing here is none of them are exceptional, right? None of them are amazing, but he like, they all move differently from each other. A lot of them are in different velocity bands. And so like the four-seamer, two-seamer, same velocity, but they move differently, right? Uh, the cutter, he added that recently. He throws that a ton. He's got a slider that's a lot of horizontal stuff. He's got a curveball that's different from the slider. His whole thing is he keeps you mixed up he throws a ton of strikes. The, the pitch he throws the least for strikes is the four-seam fastball, which is just not usually how it works. But really excited to see what Bob Gass does. I think he's a high-floor guy. I don't know what the ceiling is, but I think he can be a number three, number four, no problem. Carlos Rodriguez, super intriguing to me. Sixth rounder and 21 out of uh, Juco. 26 games between AA and AAA. Nine and six with a 2.88 ERA in 128 in the third innings, 158 strikeouts, 11.1 per nine, 257 walks, four walks per nine, 10 home runs allowed, so 0.7 per nine innings. He also throws a ton of pitches. He throws a four-seamer and a sinker. He throws a changeup. It's a really good changeup. He throws a slider. He throws a curveball. He throws a cutter. The difference between him and Bob Gass is I like his stuff, like, in and of itself. I like his stuff more he also throws less strikes than Bob Gass does. It's something like 60% strikes. So he's got to bring that up a little bit. But two really high, like really good starting pitching options. And it's just how do they develop going forward? In just a minute, let's talk about some lower level prospects to watch. A dart throw in here. We'll do that next right here on Locked on MLB Prospects. 
But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. The NFL regular season is wrapping up, but there is still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with a $5 bet. You don't have to win the bet. You just have to place the bet. And then you can turn around and take advantage of just the blatant disrespect on FanDuel for the Milwaukee Brewers. Odds for the Central, Cardinals plus 150, Cubs plus 210, Brewers plus 400, Reds plus 450. Come on. The Brewers should not be third in the odds for the division. You look at the player awards and rookie of the year, and for some reason, Jackson Churio does not get the respect everybody else does. He is in fourth at plus 1,000 for rookie of the year. And what are we even doing here? Go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. Again, $5 bet. Or you place a $5 bet, you get $150 in bonus bets. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sports book of the Locked On Podcast Network. Final segment of Locked On MLB Prospects for the week. Hope you're enjoying your Saturday if you're watching this as an everydayer. We love you everydayers. Thank you for being here. Okay, so a couple guys to watch for. In the lower minors. Oh, before that, a guy we forgot about in the last segment. Be mindful of Eric Brown Jr. This is the last year of control of Willie Adamas. I don't know if Eric Brown's going to be a first division regular or more of a utility guy. But listen, 82% overall contact rate, 90% in the zone. Okay, batted 255, 358, 354 last year. The power's not there, right? 90th percentile exit below of 100, but 36 walks to 54 strikeouts, 39 of 44 on stolen bases. He can play short. He can play second. I think he could handle third just fine, but they haven't had him do it a lot. Going to be a useful player if there's an injury in the infield or if you need an option going into 25 if Willie Adamas walks in free agency. Just keep that in mind. Keep him in mind. Third baseman Brock Wilkin. First rounder in 2023 out of Wake Forest. And the dude just crushed, right? 47 games. Rookie ball, high A, double A. 285, 414, 473. Five home runs, 17 extra base hits, 33 walks to 47 strikeouts, stole four bags. In college, he was known for very low chase, very good exit velos, very good contact. 11% chase rate, right? 77% contact. Exit velos with metal of 108, okay? In professional ball, the contact rate went from 77% all the way down to 75%. He looks like he belongs in minor league baseball already. Like, he belongs in professional baseball. He just acclimated perfectly fine. Now, defensively, I've got questions about can he stick at third or not. The arm is massive, 70-grade arm. On Brock Wilkin. The speed is not awesome. The defense, questionable. He fits the profile of a power slugging third baseman. Can he stay at third or does he have to move to first? Obviously, with that arm, you want him to stay at third base. But again, a massive guy, 6'4, 225, looks every bit of it, and absolutely a power hitter that is going to, should be able to move rather quickly. Outfitter Luis Lara, 2022 IFA, got just over a million bucks. 87 games between high A and 
single A. Had that backwards there. 286, 373, 359. Two home runs and 18 extra base hits. 44 walks to 61 strikeouts. 30 of 40 of stolen bases. When you look at the contact, it's good in and of itself, right? 83% contact, 90% zone contact. And he did this at age 18 and high A and double A, and single A and high A. That's why it's so great. He did it significantly younger than everybody else. Power ceiling, that's the big question, right? He's listed 5'7", 155. I've been told he's closer to 5'9". But the question is still, okay, where is the power ceiling going to end up? If you can get to double digits, and I don't know how weird it is that we're asking if he can get to double digits. If he can get to double digits, and I think he can, I've seen the max exit be those like 110. I think he can get there. If he can get to double digit homers, you're looking at a guy that can play very good center field, not as good as Churio, right? But can play very good center field, can steal probably 30 bags, give you 10 home runs. It's going to run a batting average probably in the 280s. So, The potential for a breakout is there. The question is, where does the power ceiling end up? Either way, the hit tool is a carrying tool. The defense is good enough to be a contributing tool. You've got a couple pieces to like. It's obviously a very loaded outfield system. You graduated a couple guys, three guys last year. Churio's behind him and you've got, it's just hard to find a spot. But if he's this good, you'll find a spot. Shortstop Cooper Pratt, six in this most recent draft. 12 games in rookie ball, batted 356. The thing here, okay, played short, played second. He's got a plus arm. He can play third as well. He's already 6'4", so he may have to kick out to third base, depending on what happens on the development. But really good athlete. If there's a guy who's 6'4", who could stick at shortstop, it's Cooper Pratt. And obviously, we've seen others like Ellie De La Cruz stick at short. But if there's a guy in this system who looks like he may grow off the position, but could find a way to stay there because of his athleticism, it's Cooper Pratt. There's plenty of power projection in there. The real big question we have is, one, how does he handle a full season assignment? And two, can he stick it short? I think the power will come in good enough to be a above average third baseman. But again, way more valuable as a shortstop. Let's see what happens there. couple pitchers I want to mention. Three, really. One of them's our dart throw. But Right-hand pitcher Bradley Blaylock, 32nd rounder in 2019 by the Red Sox. Blows my mind we used to go that deep in the draft. 15 games between single A and high A, 6-1 with a 2-8-2 ERA, 67 innings, 75 strikeouts, so 10.1 per nine, 20 walks, 2.7 per nine, and seven home runs, so just under one every nine innings. The thing here, for a little bit of an older player, but... The fastball sits in the mid-90s, elite vertical break numbers. We talked the other day in the Pirate Show about fastball shape and about how what makes a, a fastball above average on movement in this, like on induced vertical break versus plus elite and all of that. And we said elite was like 18 inches or better. 20 inches induced vertical break on Bradley Blaylock's fastball. Sits in the mid-90s. Come on. He has a splitter with it, a vertical breaking splitter, mid to upper 80s. Obviously, the key there, it's a tough pitch to learn. It's a newer pitch for him. You want to kill as much spin as possible. Takes a little bit of getting used to. But 
amazingly filthy combo to do a, a high spin, an incredibly high spin fastball with incredible carry and an incredibly low spin uh, splitter in the bottom of the zone. It's just filthy. Has a curveball and a slider. Curveball's mostly vertical, some good depth to it. The slider's mostly horizontal. Couple different directions there. It's a filthy package, right? This is one of those, get him some innings. Again, he got 67. Needed a couple more. Two more would have been nice, but uh, had, a, you know, had a good season. Get him some more innings. Get him comfortable in that splitter. This could be a really, really good pitcher. Let's see what happens. Another guy could be a really good pitcher. The first rounder, Josh Noth, 2023 uh, Prepster here, did not pitch after the draft that I saw. So uh, a lot of the draft reports is what we're going off of here, but fastball sits in the mid-90s, can touch 98 already, throws a slider, a two-plane breaking slider in the mid-80s, has a curveball, has a change, a lot of good weapons. You like a lot of the movement profiles. You like the velocity bands. Question here is going to be, what does he do in full season ball? Folks, I've talked to both that uh, evaluate prospects in the system and people in the organization. They're really high on what Josh Noth could do this year. Think he could be a breakout. I wanted to make sure he was in the show. One, so that you knew. Two, so that if he did break out, I could go back and say, hey, I talked about that guy. I told you it was going to happen. My dart throw, the guy I'm excited about, and I'm really curious to see what happens here. Logan Henderson, the right-handed pitcher, 2021 fourth rounder, out of junior college. Little bit, he's, I'm going to call him a modern pitcher, right? Because he's 5'11", like 190-ish. So under six foot tall. But what does that give you? That gives you the really good vertical approach angle, the really flat vertical approach angle into the zone, right? Fastball touches about 94 or so. Has a change up in the low 80s. Very good one-two combo. The issue here is... That's about really it. He has a slider, like technically has a slider, but over 90% of what he throws is that fastball changeup combo. Now, it worked in single A. 18 starts, 78 and two-thirds innings, four and three with a 2.75 ERA. Struck out 12.1, walked three batters per nine innings, only gave up eight home runs. He's definitely going to move to high A to start next year. You don't take a guy with numbers like that and make him repeat the level. The question is, when he starts facing better hitters, does he have to get much better at incorporating a breaking ball? Because fastball off-speed is not going to be enough to stick as a starter. Definitely not in double-A. And I'm really curious to see whether or not it'll work in high-A. So curious to see what happens here. But Logan Henderson, watch what he does. If that slider can come in and look usable, He's a guy, he's a candidate to shoot up the rankings pretty quickly. Fantastic week this week. Y'all take a day off tomorrow. We're going to be back at it on Monday. Again, if there's a guy from one of these this week that you did not hear, I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. Show's on Twitter at Locked on Farm. We can throw them into the Monday mailbag. Until next time, enjoy your weekend. And remember, it's always a great time to pay a minor leaguer. (laughs) 